You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. To honor all copyright restrictions, certain elements have been edited out of this message. Our scripture this morning does indeed come to us from the book of Genesis in chapter 3. We're reading verses 1 through 11, and I read from the New Revised Standard Version. God's word tells us, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. And the serpent said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you even touch it or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eye, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took one of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig trees together and made loincloths for themselves. Then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and the woman hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And then God said, Who told you? that you were naked. Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our redeemer. And we give you thanks as we say together, Amen. So during my freshman year of college at Northern State University, I was able to be a part of the opera chorus for our production of Gilbert and Sullivan's The Mikado. Um, I was pulled this picture up on Facebook a couple days ago, and um, I reread some of the comments, and that was a very different time of life. But uh, uh, for those that may not be as familiar with opera as the rest of us, uh, opera choruses are charged with singing, you know, choruses, because that's what we do. But we're also charged with moving the story along and maybe even providing context for some of the things that happen off stage. And I gotta be honest with you, after doing a lot of theater in high school, being a part of the opera chorus was a little underwhelming. It was not a big role, it was not the role that I actually kind of wanted, but being a freshman and having this be my first show at Northern State, and then as it turns out, my only show at Northern State, I took what I could get. So one day we were in rehearsal with our, do- with our uh, choir director, Dr. Tim Woods, and we were there just as the opera chorus without the lead parts, and Dr. Woods pointed out that we were not being aggressive enough. We weren't singing loud enough, we weren't crisp enough in our, in our diction, it just wasn't going very well. And he turned to us and he said, do you even know what an opera chorus is? 
And we're like, I mean, yeah, but I'm sure you're going to tell us anyway because you're Dr. Woods and that's what you do. He said an opera chorus is only lead characters that didn't get the main part. It's people that are mad and singing loud to show that they should have been one of the leads. And I don't know if it fired all of us up, but it definitely inspired me. Because I know for the rest of that rehearsal, I had a lot more energy. I had a lot more volume, and everything just went a little bit better and was a little bit sharper. Because i got to be honest with you, I wasn't 100% sold on being a part of this opera chorus, of being in this role. But this little speech from Dr. Woods helped me to see the role, and even the show, differently. The performances all went off without a hitch, and I became, at least in my own mind, a lead. Just in the back. Opera choruses are important. As we talked about at the start of this message series, supporting roles are important. And sometimes we are called to be in that supporting role, but in God's sight, we, in God's love, we are turned into lead characters. Because without leads, we wouldn't have a show in the first place. And so to help us think about this idea of main characters as we bring our message series on, on movies to an end, I want to talk about Illumination Studios' 2016 movie called Sing. And the main character in this movie is a schemer with a dream named Buster Moon, who stages a fake singing competition for a $1,000 prize, but due to a clerical error, it became a $100,000 prize. And he is trying to revitalize and rebuild and renovate this theater that he has owned since, you know, and, and has been in love with since he's a kid. And to be honest with you, he's successful. Maybe not in the way that he thought he was going to be successful, but he was successful. But Sing is more of a story, is more than just one story about one person. Sing is the story of a ragtag group of contestants. Sing is the story of ordinary and humble characters who never imagined that their passion for singing could be more than just a foolish dream. So throughout the movie, we meet several of these, um, com these competitors in this competition, and they feel a lot like members of an opera chorus. They're good enough to be on their own, but yet they find themselves in these supporting roles, but by the end of the movie, they become so much more than that. One of the first characters we meet is a woman named Rosita. She's a pig and a stay-at-home mom of 25 kids. And she reveals to her family that she used to sing, and then one of her kids makes fun of her, and she asks her husband to defend her, and he kind of grumbles some kind of, yeah, I kind of remember something like that. Johnny is the son of a crime boss. He's a gorilla who would rather spend his time singing rather than, making, or rather than taking on his family's business. We see him in several scenes of the movie when he's supposed to be you know, looking out for his father who is busy stealing something, he is distracted and he's singing. We see him driving as, a, as learning how to be a getaway driver, but then he breaks away to get to this audition. And Ash is a porcupine who escapes from the shadow and really the ego of her boyfriend and becomes, by the end of the movie, a bona fide rock star in her own way. And then there's Mina. Mina is an elephant with the voice of an angel. 
And the thing that I love about Mina's character is that her family affirms her every step of the way. The problem is, is that no one else believes in her. Not even herself. Not even Mina believes in Mina. She can't get out of her own head. She can't get out of her own way. She is nervous and shy and clumsy. Any time, any kind of a spotlight comes her way, she completely implodes. Her first audition is a disaster. And let's go ahead and meet Mina in a video clip. She just cannot catch a break. And rather, I just kind of want to ask the question, who helped make her this way? Who ruined her self-confidence? Who told her that she couldn't sing? Who told her? As we, link, as we think about our scripture for this morning, we don't even have to ask that question. It could not be more plain. In Genesis chapter 3, we meet a character called the serpent. Adam and Eve, God's first humans, are duped by this tempter, duped by this servant, duped by this Satan. The tempter takes God's word and just gives it a little bit of a twist in a way that's not helpful. Did God really say and then Eve responds, yes, God did say. And then the serpent says, no, 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 it's not like that. You will not surely die. That's not how that works. God didn't want you to have this because God didn't want you to have this full wisdom. And so Eve takes the fruit and she eats. And Adam takes the fruit and he eats. And then Adam and Eve, these first humans that are given paradise, hide from God. And when God finds them, God asks, Who told you? Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were shameful? Who told you to do this? Because, see, when God made humanity, when God made Adam and Eve, God told them all that they needed to know. But now it sounds like they are listening to a different voice. They are listening to a different voice. They are believing a different thing about them. They are listening to a voice that is less than the voice of God. And this voice is telling them things that are contrary to God's truth. And so God asks them, who told you? Who told you? And rather than hearing this with an, uh, with an air of judgment, and rather than hearing this with an air of exasperation, friends, I think that there is room to hear this with a word of grace. Who told you this? Who deceived you? Who did this to you? Who made you believe things about yourself that are not true? And when we hear that with an, with, a, with an air of grace, I am not trying to lessen the reality of sin. Adam and Eve messed up. The original covenant made between God and humanity has been broken. And in the next little passage, they are about to be punished. God said not to do this one thing. And they did the one thing with absolute impunity. 
And because of this one thing, we are now born with a sinful nature that can only be overcome by the overwhelming grace of Jesus Christ. Adam and Eve did what they did, and then they tried to hide from God. At the end of the creation story, at the end of Genesis 2, we are told that Adam and Eve are naked and unashamed. But did you hear how things changed in our scripture this morning? When God said, where were you? Why did you hide? Adam says, we noticed and we were ashamed. And God said, who told you? In this moment, sin enters the world. In this moment, sin becomes a reality with what with which we must contend. But I want us to realize, and I want us to hold on to, the fact that this is not the first thing that God said to humanity. And what happened in the garden, what happened when Adam and Eve messed up, did not make what God said untrue. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we are told that God made us in God's image. God says, let us make humanity in our image. And then God goes on to say, or Genesis goes on to say the same thing two different ways in Genesis 1, 27. This is how God has made us. We as humans are made different from everything else that God made. On the days when God did the work of creation, it follows a pattern. God spoke, and then an action happened, and then God calls it good. But on the sixth day when God made humanity, God gave us instructions, and God gave us expectations. When God created us, God created us on purpose and for a purpose. We have this inherent value to God. The way that our denomination's governing document, the Book of Discipline, in Article 4 of our Articles of Religion phrases it is this. The United Methodist Church is a part of the Church Universal, which is one body of Christ. And so the United Methodist Church acknowledges that all people are of sacred worth. You exactly who you are, exactly how you are, have a sacred worth. And that doesn't change, by the way. The question that I have is this. Who told us different? Who told us anything different and why do we have such a hard time believing that God's words for us are true? We are so not unlike Mina. We are so not unlike Rosita or Johnny or even Buster Moon. They were told that they were one thing. They were told that they were bad. They were told that they were useless. They were told that in some way they were less than. Why is it so easy for us to believe that that's true? We have an easier time believing that we are bad or that we're damaged, or that we have something to be shameful about 
rather than believing about what believing what God has said about us first that we are made in God's image with an inherent and sacred worth and sometimes we start to believe these other things because of the things that we tell ourselves and sometimes we believe those things because that's what other people tell us but when we throw off the untruth that we are told and believe what God said first, amazing things can happen. In the movie saying towards the end after the theater has fallen down, which is a long story for a different time, Mina finds herself among the rubble. And Mina the elephant throws off everything that is untrue of who she is and she just sings. Let's see what that looks like. This is the voice of someone who is made with an inherent and sacred worth. This is what it sounds like when we throw off the lie. Who told her anything different? Who has told you anything different? And why do we believe otherwise? God told us all we needed to know. We are made in God's image. We are made like God. We are made as a reflection of God. We are made with an inherent and sacred worth in God's sight, and nothing changes that. If we're a part of the chorus, if we're a lead, if we're nowhere near the stage, God made you. On and for a purpose. This is the truth. Let us believe and let us live in the light of God's truth. Would you pray with me? God, you have made us as we are, and God, you love us as we are, and God, you use us as we are. You made us, and you called us good, and even though we do fall short from time to time, and even though we just can't escape our creation and our human condition, you still call us good and use us for your purposes. When we feel tempted to forget, when we feel tempted to believe the lie, strengthen us, remind us, remake us, Call us good once again until we just believe only you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.